0: Hello folks, my name is Noah Ben-Shia and we are very excited to bring you this vital and important interview podcast. We are broadcasting today from the Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference hosted by Foundations Recovery Network. What we all learn in life is that wisdom is where we are wise enough to find it. I think you will find it here. Please lend this conversation an open mind, a warm heart, and a few moments of your time. Thank you.
1: That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Right, welcome to Sober Guy Radio. We're out in Nashville, Tennessee, Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference sponsored by Foundation's Recovery Network. Today, we're talking with James McManus, founder and CEO of Family First Adolescent Services. James, man, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I'm digging the fact that you're in... Uh, Saucy-ass suit with some flip-flops on right now man. I love it. Looking Good
1: looking good South, Florida
0: Yes, yes, so let's get into that a bit you're from uh, Well, I I believe are you from California? I know you lived in California.
1: I'm originally from from Florida Uh, moved out to California and 2003 Uh, did a bunch of uh, Different style work over there and uh, moved back to South Florida probably about 2007
0: got it got it Okay, and um, I understand so you're in recovery yourself we'll we'll get into the professional side of it i'd like to jump in maybe to a little bit of the personal side Uh, tell us about your life man before um before you got clean this over
1: well i'll tell you um you're from california so you understand the uh the the nature of uh the the housing markets out there in like 2003 and four yes so my different style of work was i was in subprime mortgage um out uh out in 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 la county and, and orange county and uh I mean, I was, uh, running and gunning and, uh, 23, 24 years old. And Whoa. there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of bad news out there. Yeah. Um, and, I uh, was a part of, uh, unfortunately, uh, regretfully a part of uh, a major collapse of uh, a lot of people's lives. So, um, I got myself into treatment again in 2007 after, uh, collapsing out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of good help from people, and I just thought I could do this too. Yeah, I, I could help people. I could be a I could be a therapist. And yeah. Went back, got a master's, and
0: no way. And, and that was in your mid off. your mid twenties.
1: Mid twenties. Uh, finished up. I was working full time, doing masters at night, um, and did a two year state internship, and and you know, just put together a five-year plan and,
0: and executed it wow that's awesome i know it's funny man when uh us as uh as addicts and alcoholics when we we get that tunnel vision on something and when we put the effort we put into getting high into something positive man it, like we can really make some changes not only with ourselves but then with totally. other people
1: too i completely agree
0: yeah um so uh so you you go to school uh you go back to school tell us a little bit about um about uh, first family Family First Adolescent. I'm sorry, Family First. That's
1: cool. Family First Adolescent Services was something uh, um, I conceptualized with uh, a, a, a dear friend of mine, Ben Cecil, who's uh, our clinical director. And um, we recognized in Palm Beach County, you know, that this mecca for, um, for treatment for people 18 and above, there was nothing. There was nothing for kids there that made any sense to us at all. And there was definitely no intensive outpatient or outpatient services, family work revolving around yeah. that. Nothing. So... Uh, again, man, we hustled. We, uh, we did it all ourselves. And, uh, I worked, uh, as a private practitioner and, um, you know, at night and, uh, uh, during the day we, we were networking, marketing our, ourselves and our program and, uh, uh, trying to help kids and families.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important thing with kids. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it's, a, a, can be challenging at times working in any field of addiction. Let me back up just a, just, just a minute here. Um, I wanted to ask you what finally clicked for you, like in that moment, was there like a certain light bulb moment that went off where, where you just decided like I can't live this lifestyle? Was it was there some guilt involved? Um, like what what did it?
1: Man, it's uh, I, I don't know how suitable it is for <laughs> for, for radio, <laughs> but there was a pretty graphic evening, and uh-huh. uh, I just came out of it you know eight in the morning, and was like I you know I'm gonna die, or or wow. or worse is to me honestly was. Um, like being just completely F- mediocre and being a loser, you know, I was gonna, busy. you know, I had several arrests and uh, I was just, just, it was just going prices. down, man. And all my yeah. friends were, were succeeding and, you know,
0: everybody from college was doing well, from high school was doing do. well. And there was James, you know, and just the, the, yeah. the F up. Chocolates. Wow. Let's, uh, let's, let's kind of get into, into, into the adolescent part of this, man, such a huge deal. Um, there's an epidemic in the country right now. I'm sure you're definitely more knowledgeable of it than I am um, in, in a more detailed base. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're dealing with, what you're seeing coming in on a daily basis. Well, I think um, for us, the, the most difficult part
1: is um, uh, parental education and, and in turn, uh their attitude towards drugs and alcohol because of the way that they grew up. So generationally, right, um, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I'm I'm 36 years old, my parents grew up in the 40s and 50s. And, I mean, it was locked down. I mean, that was not, I mean, people were were drinking heavily and things like that. But, uh, I mean, like the attitude towards drugs was uh, a lot different then than it was in the 60s and 70s. And so now we have these parents that are from that that era and that generation. And, um, you know, that they're... uh, uh, the common theme is, well, it's just pot, or, um, and we have to educate them on the difference between their pot and the kids, the kids' weed now, yeah. which is like, you know, out of control. It's like 80% THC yeah. wax, and yeah. it's, it's intense. So, yeah. just the, um, the, the, the misinformation that the parents have is uh, a difficulty for us to overcome. But kids are. You know, I, I don't think things since we were kids have changed all that much. Their access to prescription pills obviously is a little bit uh, more intense. And uh, in turn, you're going to find more uh, opiate addiction. Uh, do you but, see
0: that a lot with, with kids coming in with opiate addictions that uh, usually start by stealing it from their parents' cabinet? It's, it's kind of the classic, almost cliche, I guess. Um, do, you, do you deal with that a lot? And then yes. it turns into maybe a heroin addiction later on?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in the end, I, we try and explain, like, none of the, the kids that even take the pills um, didn't start, for the most part, with alcohol and marijuana. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the kids are not just, like, jumping right into snorting Xanax and stuff um that they start somewhere different and at a lower level but uh yes we're we're finding that then you you come across an 18 or 19 year old that's using IV drugs it's you know they have found uh uh, pills for sure prior to to that
0: uh what what's what's one thing uh that you that you see often um that really hits hard with you
1: oh man um you know just uh just recently we had uh um, a family come in, and just things just didn't move as quickly as as you know they should have, and the young man ended up getting shot over mm-hmm. um, a, a drug deal. And this was a family that was from Jupiter, Florida, 17 years old. Um, it's it, it really really messed me up for for a little while uh, and it and it messes with our staff and kids because yeah. they're just kids. Yeah. It's, it's a different thing, man. They're, they're, they, they, four years ago, they were building forts, you know. Yeah, that they're not <laughs> like these uh, adults man. that we try and treat them as. Like, and some kids are, you know, the kids that are physically larger and things like that, and that you think that they're adults they're not they're 17 years old their brains are eight years away from being fully developed they're still babies you know there's
0: still there's still a lot of innocence there that right. uh, well then and that and that's got to be a challenge too man is having having that come in and almost having to treat them in an adult-like fashion but at the same time trying to stay in tune that like just like you're saying they are kids um here's a question for you how do you deal you know you and your staff um on a pro how do you separate that professional side and the personal side because you like you said um you know and especially being being you know your background too in, in recovery and um like how do you how do you go home and do you take that home with you i guess is turn what it I'm, off yeah yeah thank you yeah, how do you turn it off man it,
1: it's hard this one's especially it was hard for me i had to, to call uh you know I, I reach out and i've got uh, my own Uh, support networks, and I've got my own therapy, I've got my own AA, I've got my own everything that uh, keeps me um, in a a bit... Because this is is a different field than than you're going to be in. There's going to be a lot of tragedy, there's going to be a lot of... It's the nature of this, you know, that a large percentage of these people don't get the help and don't get it, and they end up, you know, dying or... uh, in, in harsh legal consequences which is also difficult to see kids make those huge yeah. mistakes at 17 and um, but we, we talk about it as a staff a lot and honestly man that there's that thing about gallows humor um, if you were in one of our staff meetings you'd think we probably didn't really care at all but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, yeah. you, you almost have, have to yes yeah, yeah. you have to
0: um, um, desensitize yourself a little bit from it moving into we're, t- we're talking about addiction we're talking about alcoholism how much How much of those, how much of goes with that is anxiety, depression? Um, You know, I know they kind of play a part hand in hand. What do you see with that coming in? Uh, Even like cutting, too. I don't know if you deal with anything about that. We talked a little bit about that before. Can you touch on that?
1: Um, You're going to find, if you start getting into uh, in depth assessments with kids, you're going to find that they're family members. You start talking to mom and dad and start talking to them about their siblings and their parents and a commonality and a common thread you're going to find is anxiety and different ways that um, family members manage the anxiety but um, kids once you smoke weed at like 13 and you've got a ton of anxiety it's the best thing in the world ever and it works really well and unfortunately it uh, becomes a coping mechanism and, and and you're not able to walk through that adolescent period and develop the proper ones yeah. um, to deal with that stuff but uh uh, kids, for the most part, do not meet a lot of the, what did we call, like, you know, full criteria for substance use disorders. Yeah. Underlying it is, you know, their anxiety, their depression, and this stuff needs to, it's a 25, 30% what's called comorbidity, and that means both exist. And if you can, of course, first you have to uh, filter out substance use, because the Medicine doesn't work. Then you go to see yeah. a psychiatrist, and you know the, the whatever they're prescribed—Wellbutrin, um, Prozac—it's not going to work. It's, yeah. it's going to be counteracted by alcohol and drugs. So, yeah. but a lot of these kids are facing um, a lot more than just substance use problems.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I, I would imagine that uh, the family life has got to be a huge, a huge issue and a huge uh, underlining foundation for the treatment that sh- that um, that you're working with what are some of the challenges you face with the families coming in man like the mom or the dad or I mean that, that's got to be tough
1: oh man um, they can be uh, they can be challenging for sure yeah. um, I you know you often are gonna gonna talk to, uh, um, to to family members the kids are not there by mistake um, and, yeah. and it's not to shame or blame or do anything we, we try and dive into that system and see what's not working oftentimes this is a generational. This stuff is generational. Mm-hmm. Their parents, the way that their parents treated them, the way their parents, you know, yeah. um, and their environment. and
0: Well, you were getting into that even in the beginning about with, with your parents and, you know, my parents too. That generation was so different than right. alcohol, drugs. It was looked at from a completely different perspective versus what it is today.
1: Right. I mean, I'll give you an example. So we were, um, and this is just a, a generational thing for the kids now. We, were at, we have a gender-specific intensive outpatient. And so at the very beginning, we, you know, we were appalled at how many i mean you know everyone's got a got an iphone and and everything and we're all adults and things but we were appalled at how many like nude pictures were being sent by like really? 14 15 16 year old boys and girls back no and forth way. and um, and we just had a recent staff yeah. meeting and we um we just started laughing we we're like i mean who isn't and in like not one of our kids is not doing this is like a social norm yeah. Wow. it's a social norm for these kids to do it um I mean I you know God help me if I had a, an iPhone at, at 15 or 16 so it, it's tough sometimes to think back um you know yeah uh, but well, it's it's the it's the majority and not the minority
0: well I got, I have one more question for you and then we're gonna get into the heart and hustle round and I'll tell you what that is in just a moment okay, okay. so uh to someone out there listening right now, who maybe themselves or maybe it's a family member who has somebody struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, um, they don't they don't know where to turn, they don't know what to do. Um, you know, maybe they feel hopeless, man. What, what kind of advice would you give them, James? Well, at Family First
1: Adolescent Services, we offer a free consultation um, to to folks just coming in to check things out. I think that that would be important wherever you are to. Find a facility or find a practitioner that's willing to give you a few minutes just to um, discuss your. Uh, I, I doubt psychiatrists will, will will offer that. That's just a, a general uh, stereotype. They may, but uh, to find someone just to be able to to shoot around for for a few minutes and 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 see if that is going to be a fit for you. Yeah. Just the act of picking up the phone is a huge deal. It's like the gym or something. It's like the first yeah. time you go to the yeah. gym. It's like. Um, it's it's brutal and uh, to be able to pick up and reach out and ask for help we have a a large network across the country that we would be able to um, uh, specifically and especially for adolescents if anyone ever wanted to call us uh, my cell phone is 561-315-3767 and again we're Family First Adolescent Services in Palm Beach Gardens be willing to talk to anyone and um, and see if we can find you services in your area.
0: Thanks, James. Uh, let's get into the heart and hustle round. Uh, this this is this is five quick questions, uh, and you're going to put your heart into each answer, but okay. answer them in 30 seconds to a minute. Okay? Got it. All right. So this first one is the fun one, man. This is this is my favorite one. Where is the weirdest place you've ever woken up? Um, a dog cage. <laughs> in the back
1: of a pickup truck in in um rosarito mexico wow. with the federales driving the oh man the pickup Something. truck all right number two what's the best thing about being sober uh best thing i think is getting up every day and um and just feeling clear and feeling uh um, in control of my life to a point point. I understand that there's uh, a lot of uncertainty but just getting up and feeling good man yeah. like feeling yeah. i can you know
0: i'm on it i can yeah. do this i'm sharp Number three, if there was one thing you know now you wish you, could, you wish you could have known at the beginning of your sobriety, what would it be? At the beginning of my sobriety,
1: um, that it's, I mean, and I could probably just continue to tell myself this, it really does all work out. You mm-hmm. just keep going, put together a nice plan and execute the plan and there's going to be a lot of hiccups and bumps, but just don't stress so much. Yeah, yeah. Number four, how do you stay sober? I go to home group every week, uh, I've got a sponsor, I've got a therapist, I've got a, what we call our 10-step groups, you know, that there's just a bunch of guys that uh, I respect, I mean, it, and I don't uh, you know, prescribe this for everyone, but my entire life has really revolved around it, and uh, all my friends are in it, and it's not like a bad thing for me, I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. around alcohol and my girlfriend drinks, my, you know, I'm, I don't care about a, a lot of that. Um, But my support network is entirely of guys that understand what it's like to have your brain try and
0: kill you. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good way to put it, man. I never heard of it like that. Uh, All right, man. So uh, number five, one more time, uh, just tell us uh, about Family First Adolescent Services. Where can folks find that? Uh, The website and any phone numbers, anything else, James?
1: www.familyfirstas.com. As an adolescentservices.com. So, Family First Adolescent Services uh, can be found uh, at 561 328 7370. And my cell phone is 561 315 3767. We're a company based out of Palm Beach Gardens. Um, true adolescent treatment in
0: outpatient and residential form. James, enjoy Nashville, my friend. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on Sober Guy Radio. I appreciate it, Shane. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information or to join the Sober Guy, Sober Girl community, go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Peace, love, respect, keep your blood clean.